Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Welcome back. Um, we have another new episode, actually the first episode of 2021. So yeah, we're back. we're back from vacation. Yes, and we have a very uh, special guest with us. But before we get to that, I want to welcome y'all. This is Where From Here. This is a podcast for creatives, music lovers, people that care about culture moving forward. We want to bring you to our table with us as we share insights while we all are deciding our next steps to figure out where from here. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it's brought to us by ourselves. Um, I'm Alfred Nomad. I'm Snell. And we are the Where From Here podcast, um, brought to you on Tone. Um, most importantly, subscribe on our streaming platform, Tone.Vision, if you haven't yet. And um, today we have somebody who is, uh, I would say a very special guest um, who, uh, I, I had the pleasure of meeting at a, I want to say a Spotify for Artists event initially, um, and she was giving out some very free game. Um, she's a music strategist. I'm not going to give too much of, I'm going to let her introduce herself, but I'm so proud to have Amber Horsberg on our, our uh, podcast. Amber, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. No problem. Um, I I wanted I want us to start off. Um, I know you we want people to know who you are. So tell us who is Amber. Who are you? Tell us a little about yourself, um, and and why uh, people will want to hear about you today. For sure, I'm a music marketer. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. For now, I am Australian, but I spent the last nine years in New York and LA working in various aspects of music and entertainment marketing. I was at MTV. I was at an agency working on entertainment brands like YouTube, Google Play, uh, Samsung, Sonos, and then I've been at labels too. So I was the SVP of strategy at Downtown Records, which is an indie based out of New York and also at the time was an imprint of Interscope Records. And now COVID threw, threw me a loop. And so now I'm back in Melbourne and I coach artists and managers and labels through a program called the School of Deep Cuts. And it's all about how to build release plans and take take basically an idea or a record and bring it into the world. And that's what I do now. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Like, how did you get to this point? Was there anything in your upbringing that drew you to music or, or drew you to what you do now? Yeah. I always thought I wanted to work in fashion and then my first internship at a fashion magazine, I did my first editorial shoot or I assisted on an, on an editorial shoot and I was like, nope, that one, that's not for me. And then the magazine that I was at also had a music arm of it and they were down the hall and I was like, damn, that looks like fun. And that was the thing, that was the job that kind of put it in my brain that I could work in music and yeah, ever since then, I was just like, that's what I, that is what I'm going to do. That's the industry that I'm going to work in. And um, yeah, so I have, you know, in the very early beginnings, I was at um, EMI Records and that was a thing. I was at a, I was doing marketing for a promoter in Australia called One Love and they did, you know, the big, um, they did the big EDM tours like Armin Van Buren, Avicii, Tiesto, um, Calvin Harris, that kind of thing, which is honestly like the dream job if you're, you know, 20 years old and just want to go to the club all the time. It's yeah. great. And then, um, yeah, so I would say that, that that first 
trying out a bunch of things, thinking that you wanted to do one thing, but then going and trying and doing a, a bunch of other stuff is the, I think the best way to figure out what you like to do. Cause yeah, it's really, I don't know, it's a bit of a tangent, but it's really funny when you think about it, when you're in high school and you're expected to choose a career and go into college with no experience, no life experience, no work experience and stuff. I think it's a lot of pressure on people. Um, So I find the best way to figure out what you want to do is by doing lots of things and figuring out what you don't want to do. And I think that's where what my path has led me to. Definitely. It's uh, interesting you said that too about experience because if you look at your like experience, it seems like you've been all about marketing for like a long time. Like what inspired your passion for marketing uh, and uh, and why specifically did you end up with a focus on music artists marketing? Yeah, I actually wouldn't say it's a passion, and I think that that's um, I think that that's too strong a word for work, especially where I'm at. Like I've been working in marketing in a marketing role for like thirteen years now, and um, <clears throat> and I would just say there's this culture around work at the moment, which is like follow your dreams and follow your passion, and you got to do what you love and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know, my own relationship to work is like I like what I'm doing, and I've always liked what I'm doing, but you don't have to love every single second of it, and it doesn't need to be your passion. Like you can have other other things in your life that's you are passionate about. Whereas I feel like right now we're in this weird period of work where like work is everything and that like hustle and grind culture is really aspirational to a lot of people. And, um, and I think it's, uh, can be really confusing as a young person or even like, you know, early in your career, I still consider myself early in my career. Um, it can be confusing if all your messages are like, follow your dreams, do what you love, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I work in marketing for a record label. And what that actually means starting out is breaking down CDs and destroying them and putting in the rubbish, like the trash can so people can't pirate them. Or like it's um, in a more senior role, it's like, okay, now I'm the SVP, but uh, I have to get on this call with the manager and explain why their campaign didn't work and I'm going to be yelled at for the next hour yeah. And this is going to be a really hard conversation to have. And I'm like, I'm not passionate about that. <laughs> so um, I think marketing, there's a creative side to it, uh, which is really good. But what I enjoy more in music is being able to work with artists because I think that there's something, the thing that keeps drawing me back to music is working with artists because I think there's something very, very special about working in an industry that dictates culture and that's really what artists do, whether it's film, TV, fashion, music, uh, visual arts. Um, they're the ones that are, yeah, creating creating culture and that is truly really exciting to be a part of. I think the marketing portion of it comes after the idea so the artists will have the vision or they'll have their idea, mm-hmm. have the way that they're going to impact culture and it's up to you to figure out how do you surround them with the resources and the ideas and the insights and the data to be able to, execute their ideas in the in the best way possible are you okay are you um are you working with artists now like separately on your own thing or like do you do that through the label or through the media company or yeah I was doing that so last year in 2019 I moved to LA from New York and I 
started my own consulting company and I was running um, campaigns for artists end to end. So I would work with, I would work with, you know, major labels, indie labels, indie managers, bigger management firms, artists directly. And I would help them basically figure out um, when the record was made, I would help them figure out what their marketing plan looked like. Um, And I've worked with all different size artists from like, I don't know, um, Elohim, Sophie Tucker, Chet Faker, Miramasa, Cold War Kids, a bunch of of different different size, different areas, uh, size of the careers too. Um, So that's what I was doing. And so I would kind of come into the fold when the record was made before the artwork was made, before the music videos and just figure out what's the story around this record, how are we going to promote it, which partners do we need to bring into the fold, which team... Does the team look like the way that we need to or do we need to bring in other, you know, publicists and creative directors and um, digital marketing people and all that kind of stuff? Um, so I was doing that but then COVID hit and I moved back to Australia because I didn't have the right health care <laughs> in America. Oh, and, um, big difference. Yeah. Big, yeah, definitely didn't want to be in the States during a um, health crisis with no health care. So moved back here and... Um, it felt really strange pitching artists on freelance work when the whole music industry, you know, is really going through it right now. And so I, what I'm doing right now is, uh, so when I got back here, I had a newsletter called Deep Cuts that I have been publishing on that, just music marketing, music strategy insights, um, really aimed at the practitioners that work in um, marketing, so your label project managers, your um, uh, artists that are running their businesses themselves, uh, managers who are running socials and content on behalf of the artist, and that had grown up. That had grown to uh, six thousand subscribers, and without me really doing anything on it. And through that, people would ask me, "Can you look at this? What about this plan?" Blah blah blah. So I went and I structured all my advice and all my processes and basically came up with a 90-day roadmap of how to promote a record and then built that into an online course. And so now the course is a group coaching experience. So you get the online course, which gives you soup to nuts, how you go about marketing and promoting a record. Um, But then there's also bi-weekly coaching calls with me and also I bring on expert guests as well so people can really get their hand held throughout the whole process of marketing and, and releasing their records. And that's been really cool. And so that's what I'm doing right now. Do you like, do you like um, doing the courses that you do or do you like working with people one-on-one more? I love it. Love. I love the courses. Yeah. Really? Working one-on-one's wicked. Cause um, yeah. Cause it's, I, I I feed off other people's energy and so I really like one-on-one. But the course is great because you can connect all these people that are going through the same things. So on our group coaching calls, there's, you know, sometimes 30, sometimes 50 people that are on these calls and they're all releasing songs together. And so they're all going through the same um, issues. And it's really cool because one person will ask a question that another person sitting there going, oh, I didn't even know I had to ask that question. Now I've got the answer to that question. And so in that group setting, you're really able to, um, you're really able to learn a lot very, very quickly. One-on-one is you also learn a lot very quickly and it's um, tailored to you. But I, I do like the group setting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm noticing, like, I know a lot of artists, I'm sure me, we all do, that I'm just going to do it myself. You know, I'm going to post mm. my stuff on social media 
and hope for the best. And, you know, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep rocking myself and they're not seeing much happen. What do you say to that? Like, what is your, what is your advice on that? Like when it comes to the marketing side of things, pushing a record, trying to get it heard, building a network, what do you say? Yeah, I think you absolutely can do it yourself. Um, It is a lot of work though. That's what people Mm -hmm. don't take into account. And so I think inherently you'll end up working with people, whether it's friends or you have a manager or somebody that can advise you or you do a course, an online course where you can have a community of people that you can lean on and, and stuff. But, um, yeah, I absolutely think that you can do it yourself. And But it also depends on your goals. Like if your goal is to get signed to a major label and get a massive advance, then your the work you need to create is like create a really huge, so like a, a very fast-growing social media following because mm-hmm. that's what a lot of labels will look at. Um, so I think it, it depends on your goals. Whereas if, you you know, you might be a career artist who makes all their money from composing and really enjoys composing, doesn't want to be doing the touring grind and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think it depends on what, what type of artist you want to be and where you want to operate within the music business. Um, but I think, yeah, you could definitely, definitely should and do the work yourself. Okay. Yeah. So I want to bring it back a little bit even more fundamental. So I know that you're obviously a marketing strategist and uh, we want to dive a little into your expertise with that. So let's start from the very foundation. We hear the term marketing, quote unquote, all the time, but with your professional definition for all like the simple minds and aspiring creatives, tell us what marketing actually is. Like, what would you define it as? Well, my marketing, like I operate in this very small box, which is like indie music. It's like artists who have anywhere between 50,000 followers on Spotify to like 5 million generally is where I operate. And so that's a subset of artists. And then I work in label marketing, so how to release a record. So it's a very small box. And so I would say with marketing within that box of generally independent artists trying to push their records, it's all about audience growth. And you can talk all day about like different campaigns and, you know, fan engagement and fan clubs and um, what uh, creative ideas and all that kind of stuff. But at the more often than not, every marketing challenge or problem or question that an artist has always comes down to audience growth. And I think it's especially important for artists within music because um, people grow out of fan fandom so quickly. So, like, if you if you're an artist and your career is going to go for say twenty years, the people that are following you at the beginning, they you know, I, I think um, sorry to back up a little bit. I think people are their most fanatic about music between the ages of like thirteen to twenty two or something, or I have to get that stat. It's around It's around that mark. Mm-hmm. But then after that, people age out. They don't like going to clubs and shows anymore. They don't, they want to like spend their time doing other things. They don't have enough time. So they listen to, they're not interested in finding new music. They rely on the artists that they love and listen to older stuff. And so if you're an artist and you are relying on your same fans over and over again, um, your pool's going to get smaller and smaller. So you're constantly having to add new fans to that pipeline. Um mm-hmm. And that, and that audience base. And so marketing is really in music, in records for independent artists. I believe it's all about audience growth and tactics for audience growth. So, and within that comes like, you know, creative ideas and um, 
uh, fan engagement and all that kind of stuff. But at the very core of it, it's how do you build an audience for this artist? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I can tell you for one, I'm not going to no clubs, <laughs> no <laughs> shows. So I'm out <laughs> listening to my artists that I love. I do, I do love finding new music though, for sure. But yeah, I'm definitely phased out of that whole like crazy concert day. So that makes sense. Yeah. It's a little different um, when you get older, for sure. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. bones don't work like they used to. So <laughs> you know how that goes. Um, okay, so you, you work with just your resume is, is very impressive. And you've worked with, you know, large artists who uh, big and big labels and across the board, across that spectrum. What do you see in like a, a misconception or maybe the disconnect in how artists market themselves? Like, are you seeing are you seeing mistakes being made? Are you seeing them doing things maybe not the the route that they should take? And when do you say, okay, this is where I can step in? Yeah, I think the biggest misconception with music I say this over and over and over again is the idea that the cream rises to the top. So the idea that if the music is strong enough, then that is what's going to propel its forward and. The sad truth is, is that there are so there are so many good songs and good artists that never see the light of day because music is essentially free now. And there's you know whatever it is, uh, the stat is like 40,000 40, songs are uploaded a day to Spotify, um, and so there's just you know immense competition and um, and then, and you know infinity availability of music and when I sit with artists, whether it's one-on-one working with them in a coaching capacity or if it's at a label working on a project, there is this feeling that like the, the track is so good, then the marketing will just do it themselves. And sure, like that, that can happen for sure. Um, but I would say that that is the, um, like the anomaly or the unicorn is like when a song goes off because it's that good and it just sticks in culture, that's not the rule. It's like, it's the exception. Whereas there is a process that goes into marketing a record, which is pretty, can be repeatable over and over and over again. Um, and doing that process and actually do, like investing in marketing and marketing strategies will ensure that music is heard and that it will find the right audience and that the, that, that audience will care about that artist. But I think that's the biggest misconception. And I always try and get my at least coaching clients out of that mentality when they're um and a lot of the times they'll you know a lot of artists don't want to be don't want to feel too self-promo-y or they don't want to do you know they might they want to feel like okay I put something out and I'm rewarded because it's it's so good but um the minute that you can kind of get rid of that and be like okay I've spent all this time making this music I've spent years honing my craft as an artist so I'm going to invest the time and the resources that I need to give the music the best chance. That's when um, that's when the marketing starts to work, and and that's when you see more success with your records. Because yeah, unfortunately, it's not a case of like the the cream rises to the top. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm, for sure. So, and then I want to try to debunk another thing too. So, or maybe you might prove it right, but mm. um, we know you've created strategies with big budgets and maybe with smaller artists or on limited budgets. Um, but do you believe that the, because the first thing you'll hear is like, I don't have any money for, mm. you know, marketing my stuff or I don't have a big budget or I don't have, you know, a label that gave me in advance. Like, do you believe that the amount of money you put into your marketing makes a big difference or is it more so of how you market no, I don't think so. I think you will never have enough money. It doesn't matter what end of the budget you're working with. Um, I've done, you know, I've, I've worked with budgets of like a couple hundred bucks and I've worked with budgets that were, you know, in excess of $300,000. And um, everyone, doesn't matter what campaign it is, will always say, there's not enough money. There's not enough money. We don't have enough money. So it's not about how much you spend. There's no golden number of like, okay, if you spend 50 grand, then you will get a top 10 track. It's That doesn't work like that. It's more about the prioritization of how that money is spent. And that can only be determined by the artist and um, what they, you know, not to keep saying like what their goals are, but more about like who their audience is, what they are trying to achieve, um, what are their strengths, what do they want to be known for, um, what has worked in the past, what doesn't work, and uh, figuring out the, the what that mix looks for like for each individual project and then spending accordingly to that. Because, yeah, I don't, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. You'll never have enough money. That's the thing. Um, it will never feel like enough. It was like um, there's this great band, Australian band Cub Sport, who I work with, and they on their one of their first um, wasn't their first EP, it would have been their first album, but they were they didn't have any money and they were bootstrapping it all themselves, and um, they ended up putting out a, a song with a, a music video. It cost them a hundred bucks, and they recorded it in their um, bedroom, and then they invested a little bit of money for. Um, PR and then that has become their biggest song that that blew everything wide open for them that got them international touring touring in the states from Australia um it got them like uh on like power rotation on radio it um it's like still the same song that they close every um concert with now and it's got tens of millions of streams on Spotify um but I I think it's yeah it's like it's it really doesn't matter. Like you can, this, and the, the thing is, is like you can only work with what you've got. And mm. so if you have a limited budget, what can you do to make that work and how do you prioritise that is the more important question. And who can you lean on and which friends can you lean on and, um, you know, how can you learn things for free or for cheaply or, you know. Yeah. But no, I don't, I, I wish there was a golden number. If there was a golden number, labels would just pay it. It'd be like a tax. You'd be like, okay, here's your $50,000 tax. You've got to pay for this number one. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't exist like that. Probably for the cool. better that it's not that way. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You, you, kind of, you kind of answered my next question, but I just kind of want to – I'm going to ask it anyway. Just um, like so many artists I know, listen, I live – let's say that I live in L.A. I'm an artist, right? I'm broke. I work at the grocery mm-hmm. store. What should I be prioritizing? What's my first step? What should I do? What should I prioritize prioritize my small budget on? Quality of the music? What what, what do you think? Well, I my job generally comes in after the music's been created. And and people ask me that. Like people ask me to give feedback on demos and stuff. And I always tell them Mm -hmm. like my opinion doesn't matter in Mm -hmm. in terms of because 
I don't know the way I look at it and maybe there's probably marketers that like to be more involved in that creative process in the studio and stuff. But for me, I'm kind of like this, that's your art. Like that's you, mm-hmm. you, you need to be happy when it, at, at, you need to be happy at the certain level of quality that it is and be happy for it to be out in the world. Yeah. Um, my job is like after that, how do you spend money? So um, let's assume for this question that they're stoked with the song mm-hmm. and it is their, um, they feel really happy about that. Um, your first, your first step is to build a brand around it. Um, so I, I always start with the visuals, um, and also being very clear on what you want to get out of it as well and nailing down your story. So like figuring out what is your story as in like, what's your origin story? How do you describe the music and, um, why should basically, why should people care? And if you can get that down to like the length of a tweet or the length of a headline that would be pitched in uh, media, then that's a really great place to start. Because if you have that and all your band members are aligned on what that is, then you can start building everything off that. That's That then dictates how you behave on socials and that then dictates your ethos towards marketing. Like, for example, I'm working with an artist at the moment who's launching a brand new band and their ethos around this band is like art punk, like don't overthink it, just do it, just get it, you know, um, don't, you know, it doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be perfect, like let's embrace that kind of thing. And so that then dictates like the frequency at which you release music, the um, look and feel of the visuals, the way that the band interacts together, the even like the um, approval structures of what goes out and when from a content perspective. So yeah, your first step is to nail down what do you want to be known for, get it down to the length of a tweet, and then your next step from there is to start building out that world, which will be generally an exercise in um, creative and art direction and content creation. Okay. Nice. Okay. So I want to switch gears just slightly and kind of talk about you a little bit. Amber. Um, and from, from, you can, I have a question. It's kind of a two-parter, but you can choose either one that you want to um, answer, but this is more so as a music or marketing fan. Um, we talk, we focus a lot on music on this show. Could you tell us either about a music artist or album that you fell in love with and why, or you could go with what artist or marketing strategy that you've seen that, uh, that blew you away that, did something for you it could be either or um i'm gonna go for the artist and album um what's the artist and album that changed your life or just really meant something okay. to you or stuck out to you okay this one um i would say michael jackson's dangerous album and i would say for a lot of reasons so back then back in the day that's like the first album that i was truly obsessed with like top to bottom loved it like yeah, that was a true obsession. Listened to it all the time. Studied the artwork, studied the liner notes, all that jazz. Um, I think that changed me back then, but now we look at it now and he's the first artist that has, like, really questioned how we um, treat legacy and how each person individually pushes you to, you know, it's the first artist that an instance that I have truly questioned how I remember um, icons and that like really complicated relationship between the art and the artist and how also other people decide to treat um, pieces of work that are by the artist. So 
I think that that has changed changed my life in a lot of ways because I think it makes uh, music more complicated or like makes like fanaticism more complicated than we I just you know then I just love this act or I just love this artist and um but then at the you know back of the back of the day when I first heard it too changed my life in the kind of the sense that you usually hear which is like this album is amazing for sure um yeah that that album is crazy um who who are you listening to now like who who are you just into mm, Lil Sims she comes to mind I love her um a UK based rapper um who else am I into Tristan Pichet just released an EP that's amazing I think it's an EP it could be an album um that was really good his visuals are insane um yeah those two I think those two I gotta check them out because I haven't heard of either one have you heard of them AJ Oh, Little Sims, I love Little Sims. Honestly, like I, I've been a fan of hers for for a while now, and it's it's also really dope to see like her growth as an artist and mm, how she's expanded totally. her sound and like now she plays instruments and I, her live show is crazy now. From what I see, I haven't seen her live in person, but from the footage, it seems crazy. So definitely mm. should look into those artists for sure. So yeah, yeah. Um. So I want to dive into um, more uh, with you, Amber. So uh, I want to dive into your, um, I know that you also have created your own space online to teach others about how to strategize and market themselves with deep cuts and school of deep cuts. Can you tell us more about this? You're paying the question. Sorry, my husband just came into interrupt. Oh, no, it's okay. I was, like, Get out. I was saying that, um, <laughs> that um, I know that you've created your own space to be able to, to tell people more about um, strategy and, and uh, with deep cuts and school of deep cuts. Could you tell us more about those? Yeah, for sure. So Deep Cuts is a newsletter. It goes out semi-regularly. I'm trying to turn up the frequency of it this year, but it is just a free newsletter that is all about uh, music marketing, music strategy. So things in there that I have covered in the past are analysing um, analyzing the like release patterns of how labels release um, and, and then how that impl- uh, like how that affects indie artists, um, how to break down a $100,000 budget versus a $10,000 budget, um, 21 questions to ask yourself, like ask an artist before you start working with them, um, KPI frameworks, just kind of everything, what a creative director does, how to find one. Um, it's really meant to be free res- resources for people who are like practitioners, practitioners, pra- ugh marketers um people who are doing the marketing for artists if that's who that's for then uh and that's got a just a little over eight thousand subscribers that are on that across the whole um the globe which is cool and then the school of deep cuts is the uh, online course and group coaching experience i was talking about which is really about how to release a record and so the whole course is the spine of it is a thing called the label playbook which is a 90-day roadmap blueprint to release records um, uh, from the marketing side so it's not like you know upload to TuneCore it's you know what do you do how do you build the creative direction the art direction how do you hire a team how do you approach PR do you need to work with an indie publicist or do you do it yourselves how do you do it yourself how do you do it with other people Um, And it just takes you, you know, right through that process. And then it also has, you know, active Facebook community where you can troubleshoot your releases and um, 
bi-weekly calls, group coaching calls where you can either I'll go live and teach a particular topic or you can ask me any question and then I'll, yeah, help help the artist kind of move, uh, help them with their releases and stuff. So uh, that is, I'm doing new intake of students in March, so that'll be going up soon. Um, but, yeah, so really I'm just trying to build a space where I have found in terms of music marketing online education, the choices are really limited. It's like you have YouTube, which is free, which can send you down this rabbit hole of um, often contradicting ideas, or then you have, you know, NYU that you go to and that's going to be tens of thousands of dollars, or you can learn from um, like you can hire indie like playlist pictures or digital marketers and stuff for a couple of grand a month. But then if you don't know how to get the best out of them or you don't know what kind of questions you should be asking or um, you don't know what your plan is, then that spend is um, often redundant. So what this is meant to be is give you that that blueprint um, in order to be able to effectively set up your um, your tracks for release. <coughs> Um, but I, I do find that the with all the music education stuff that I do, whether it's the free stuff on the newsletter or the paid stuff in the course, I try and come at it with the idea that like no two artists are the same and I really believe that and no two artist projects are the same. And so if you get the same marketing plan from a peer that doesn't take into account your artistic sense, your taste, um, it doesn't take into account your audience existing or um, who you're trying to target and doesn't take into account your budget, then it's really hard to just apply someone else's plan to you. And that's a lot of the problem with the education stuff, which is like people giving these broad sweeping statements of like, you know, Facebook ads works for me, therefore you should invest all your money in Facebook ads. And then you're like, well, if this guy's like, uh, you know, an emerging pop star or a rapper and they've got 15-year-old fans, they're not going to have a Facebook page. They're going to be on TikTok. So um, that's what I try and do is help give people the tools to figure out those big marketing questions so they can put together their own blueprints that are repeatable and executable for what they can do. Cool. Okay. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, if you could change one thing right now in the music industry, what would it be and why, if anything? Yeah, I mean, so much, but... Um, the way artists are paid and the way that music's monetized. I don't know how to change it. Otherwise I would, and I would make yeah. so much money. Um, but that's the one thing that I would change. Like the, it's the, the fact to your earlier points now of um, you've got all these friends who are, um, you know, making music, but they're broke and they're stacking grocery shelves and stuff like that's, that's wrong, I think. And, um, yeah, I would change the way that music is monetized in order for artists to make a true living to create. Yes. I agree with you, by the way. I could rant on that for hours. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. All the time. For real. Literally going yeah, to rant modes about that. So I agree. That's mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and um, I totally agree with you on, uh, on figuring out the new workarounds. And I feel like they're trying to catch up, but I still feel like it's, you'll, you'll earn more with either an independent route, I feel like, even from, from streaming, from streaming services to like, if you had like your own band camp or page where people could purchase from you directly, like it just, it, the differences are crazy, you know? I don't know, the consumer, 
We got, we now have a generation of people, music fans, who have never paid for music. Music has always been free. So I think it's, it's, a, big, it's a big problem to solve, I think. I think everyone's well-intentioned and trying to figure it out. But, um, yeah, there's obviously like a lot of legacy systems that it still exist that haven't been so artist-friendly. But while music is free and, and expected to be free, um, I can't figure out who's going to be, who's going to be paying, like, you know, who's going to be supplementing that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, so, well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You want me to go? Already? No, um, go I got ahead. a quick, uh, quick little thing. So uh, what can we look forward to from you? Anything upcoming that you got in the works? Yep. I'm doing another round of um, another, sorry. Yes, uh, the School of Deep Cuts is going to open for intake in March and so you can look out for that. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm saying that now because I've been procrastinating on that. So if I just say it to you guys, I'll, um, I'll actually do it and start right. that next week. And, yeah, that's basically that. They're my two, my two big goals um, for this year. But, yeah, the now. new school will be great. It's on record now, so you got to start that YouTube. Yeah, totally. I did yeah. the same thing, so <laughs> procrastinate. <laughs> yeah. I don't people love if you got a YouTube, though. I feel like that would go really well. So, um, We'll see. And uh, so one thing also we do before you get out of here, um, we like to do shout-outs on here. Is there anyone or anything that you would like to shout-out or recommend to the listeners and viewers? Um, in terms of, it could be, oh, can you give me a hint on what other people have done? It can be anything. It could be anything. A anything. Book, okay. A TV show, a, a, a class, a, anything. Anything. Oh my God. Shout out random stuff all the time. So don't, don't. <laughs> no rules here. Yeah. No rules. Uh, yeah. Let me have a think for one real quick sec. <laughs> um, oh God. Well, this is the first thing that came to my head. I'm sad I admitted it, but Mariah Carey's autobiography is great. Read as an audio book, she reads it. So, mm-hmm. and it's like, it goes for so long too. And it's, it's like 12 hours, 16 hours worth of her talking. Okay. And um, I, I really enjoyed that. I'm not a huge fan of her music, but I have, you know, huge respect for anybody that has had um a career for that long that has spanned particularly female pop stars it is so difficult to have such a long career and have such influence and she, I mean she had a number one just last year mm-hmm. and that autobiography is really really good really good um if you're interested in kind of songwriting and also the politics of major labels and some of the abuse that goes on at major labels and it's really good it's a solid I would say a solid listen because she she reads it out. That um, I'm listening to the British editor in chief of British Vogue, her audio book, but I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. It's 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 fine. Um, yeah. uh, shout out yoga because uh, I've been like feeling very anxious lately. I can't tell why, but just. For whatever reason, just been feeling really anxious. So I definitely will shout out Yoga with Adrian, that YouTube channel. It's the best yep. YouTube channel on YouTube. And I've never seen a channel with so many positive comments. Like there's not a single negative comment on that channel. She's she's an angel. Yoga I, with Adrian. I have a confession. Yeah. I actually do that in morning in the morning. Yoga <laughs> with Adrian? Yeah. Yeah, how good is she? I'm not even gonna lie to you. Yeah. 
great. She doesn't make you feel. She doesn't make you feel like you're not good enough. She's not. She's not too like woo woo or like namaste. She's just like delivers solid practices and. Yeah, she's like a big hug. I love, love her. I, we, I hope she has the best life. I hope she's really happy because I feel like she's given everybody so much. That's dope. That's dope. Well, we're going to wrap it up. We really, really, really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, dropping some gems. Can you tell the people where they can find you, and your website? How can they register for your course? All that yeah, good. for sure. Um, so best place to start is with LinkedIn. I'm just Amber Horsburgh. Unfortunately, my last name is kind of hard to spell. So it's H-O-R-S-B-U-R-G-H. And yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Twitter at Amber Horsburgh. And then the course, you can just go to school.deepcuts.co and you'll find it there. Got you. Thank All you. Right. I have one last thing I want to yeah. ask you. Oh, so okay. for out of everything that we've talked about, everything we've said, if there's one thing you wanted to leave listeners or any artists or creatives that are trying to figure this thing out, if there's one thing you would leave anybody with, what would you say? Really figure out how you want to be known because I think when you have a really clear idea of what that is, it makes everything else fall into place. It then becomes a filter for you to be able to assess ideas. It becomes a North Star of where your audience is and how to talk to them and how to reach them. It makes it really easy to work with other people and like work with other collaborators, whether or not that's like somebody who's going to be making you artwork, album artwork, single artwork, working with you on a music video, styling you for a shoot, um, creating ads for you on digital marketing, a publicist that's going to try and craft your narrative, a, a, a writer who's going to write your bio. There's so many people that come into the fold when you're building up the profile of an artist. So if you have a really clear idea of how you want to be known, write it in a tweet, write it in a headline. That makes everything so much easier. And and that exercise in itself isn't something that you can come up necessarily in like, boop, it's done. It, it, you know, you really have to kind of workshop it and everything. Um, and if, you, if you're struggling about what questions to ask, definitely go to my medium. Um, there's a list of 21 questions called the 21, I think it's called like 21 questions to ask before you start working with an artist and that'll help you figure out how to, um, how, how to create that and that will make marketing a project so much easier and clearer and more effective. Thank you. So basically using your legacy as your North Star. So that's... Yes, well, we nice. thank you so much yeah, for thank being you. on the show. This was very informative. And yes. I hope all you artists out there get get something out of this and register for a course. Yeah. Make <laughs> sure you guys, guys check out more from Amber um, and see more details from here. Uh, this was uh, this was a great conversation. Thank you again, Amber, for um, taking the time to, to speak with us. Um, until next time, Snell, do you have anything else before we get out of here? No, just good to be back. Um, all our listeners, we are back on a regular basis now. It's a quick vacation. So just I'm glad you guys, uh, you know, you bared with us on that. So we back. Yes. <laughs> and this is a great way to start off the year. So um, thank you again. I'm Alfred Nomad. I'm Snell. All right. And this is Where From Here with Amber Horsberg. You guys have a great day. And until next time, peace and love. Deuces. I'll see you when I see you.